In this video that we just watched, we begin to capture the power and the life-changing emotion of what happened on that first Monday Thursday, that is Commandment Thursday, when Jesus gives us a new command. And of this new command that Jesus gives, there is confusion. And even with that confusion, Holy Week tugs at our emotions. But beyond what we feel or even beyond what we understand, what happens on Monday, Thursday is history changing. Jesus changes history. And so as we encounter God's word now together, let's listen to how God is still yet changing history in your heart and my heart as we come to his holy word. Our gospel reading for Monday, Thursday is from the Gospel of John, the 13th chapter, beginning in the first verse. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he'd come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper. He, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel and was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but it is completely clean and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he'd washed their feet and put on their outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also have given you do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scriptures will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In his short story, The Capital of the World, Ernest Hemingway tells the story of a father and a son. Eventually, their relationship was broken, even shattered, especially when the son, Paco, ran away. It began an arduous journey for the father to seek out his son and bring him home. The father, exhausted from his search, 
last-ditch effort, decided to post an ad and place an ad in the Madrid newspaper. It read like this, Dear Paco, please meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. Love, Father. As Hemingway tells the story, the next day at noon, there were 800 Pacos there, all seeking forgiveness from their father. You and I, we long for that kind of reconciliation, that kind of connection. We know all too well the brokenness that sin creates. We long for restoration. And Jesus offers that. He begins to change history on Monday, Thursday. He begins to change your story and mine. And unfortunately, the folks with Jesus, the disciples there on that first Monday, Thursday, they just didn't get it. They didn't understand yet what Jesus was doing. In fact, each and every one of them would not come after Jesus that night. They would abandon him. And that first Passover, when God rescued his people out of Egypt, he saved them from slavery. Now Jesus, on this first Monday, Thursday, he fills it up. He completes what God began. This rescue story is now coming to completion. Jesus, like he filled that basin with water, filled up the Passover. As I fill up this baptismal basin, we're reminded of how Jesus fills up the Passover and completes it. For now, he doesn't just rescue us in history from slavery. He now rescues us today from the slavery of our own sin. On Monday, Thursday, Jesus fills up Passover with new meaning. He gives us a new command and he frees us. And whether you are a skeptic tracking with us this Holy Week to find out what this Jesus is really all about or a long time, lifelong believer, both of us have to agree that what happened on Monday, Thursday and what began on these Trudum and these three days that would follow, change the history of the world. How does he do that? How does Jesus change history? One word, it takes us back to Christmas, and that word is this, incarnation. It's a fancy word that just means that God is with us. It means that God, as we talked about on Palm Sunday, showed up, Jesus shows up. And as we'll talk about, in Holy Communion, it's about his real presence. It's not about my goodness or yours. It's about the goodness of God showing up and intersecting in our lives and coming after us. It's certainly not us coming after God. It is God, God the Father, God the Son coming after us, bringing us new life. Martin Luther will remind us that none of us are worthy, on, none of us are worthy to receive Holy Communion on this night that we remember that Jesus instituted it. In fact, ironically, 
We're worthy for Holy Communion when we recognize that we're not worthy, that we have sinned, that we need to confess and come repenting of our sins. In fact, to say that somehow we prepared ourselves to be worthy would be like going to a great banquet and eating the best foods and then saying, oh, didn't I make that banquet so much better with the way that I prepared for it? No, you can't do anything to make this banquet feast of holy communion that God has set before us any better, any more than you could at that banquet. The chef who crafted it with his loving hands for his guests make it a great feast. And in so like manner, this holy communion poured out for us by the hands of Christ, his very body and blood are what make it effective what make it a means of grace, a, a way that he brings us his grace. In fact, in a sermon in 1523, the worst thing you can do as Martin Luther will preach with Holy Communion is to think of it as some religious work that you do to make yourself better. Instead of remembering, it's the very work of God for you. This is Jesus' work. This is God's word. This takes place at a real time in history so that your history today can be changed. This is his real presence. In John chapter 13, we read about Jesus' last night with his disciples. And unlike the story I told you of those coming for that forgiveness, these disciples abandoned him. Everyone abandons Jesus that night. Jesus fills up the Passover feast and completes it with Holy Communion, and they don't get it. Jesus gives us a new command to be loving servants like it had never been done before. And they say to him, like Peter does, you can't do that. Jesus prays in a garden that night, and they fall asleep. And friends, if you'd been there or if I'd been there, we would have done the same. An old sermon from the 1800s by Pastor Robert Murray McShane called the Melting the Heart of the Betrayer, he reminds us that even still, even despite their not getting it, even despite their abandonment, even despite the betrayal, Jesus still persists. He still remains. He still shows up. He still offers himself up for us. McShane asks and answers this with his own question. He says, what could be Christ's reason for so often and so solemnly speaking to his betrayer? And I would add to those who would abandon him as well. The answer he gives is, I can see no other reason for it, but that he might make one last effort to melt the heart of his betrayer to make one last effort to melt the hearts of those who would betray him, those who would abandon him, to melt your heart and mine. What's the point? McShane calls it a doctrine. He says Christ is earnestly seeking the salvation of those unconverted persons who sit down at his table. The Father is coming after us. Jesus wants to melt your heart and mind. This is changing, as we'll talk about on Easter Sunday, everything. 
So what now? If he has poured himself out for us, as we come to this table of grace tonight in our own homes, we come as we are, broken sinners needing forgiveness. But by this means of grace, we don't have to leave as we came because of what Jesus has done. Jesus teaches us in this new commandment, as he pours himself out for us, then having been filled up by his grace, we now are invited to pour ourselves out for Christ's sake, for our neighbor. This is what Luther writes about it. He says, now this is the fruit that even as we have eaten and drunk the body and blood of Christ the Lord, we are in turn permit ourselves to be eaten and drunk and say the same words to our neighbor, take, eat, and drink. And this by no means is a jest, but in all seriousness, meaning to offer yourself with all your life, even as Christ did with all he had in those sacramental words. So when our hearts are changed by Christ, we become the hands and feet of Christ for the world. No, it won't be easy. We may have to endure hardship, not may, we will have to endure hardship. But because he first loved us, we will be changed. And because of his work through us and the power of the Holy Spirit, the world will be changed. Friends, tonight, as you come to the table of grace, let Jesus melt your heart. The Father is coming after you through the Son. Come confessing your sins to God. Jesus changed history on that first Monday, Thursday. Let him change history again tonight in your heart. Come as you are tonight. And because of what Christ has done, don't leave as you came. Amen. Oh,